a standing ovation. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Get you get a little more excited tonight. Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> if you're wondering why I got this going from this ear to this one, it's because I can't tell you how excited I am to be here tonight. This used to be home, but now it's home away from home. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've made the comment, man, I'm so excited to be preaching at Oak Park. And I got to thinking about it, and today is one day shy of one year since I've stood in this pulpit. When Pastor texted me, our church was having a rummage sale. We was having a good time of fellowship on the big porch at the front of our church while it was pouring rain. We was eating bologna sandwiches and just watching the rain and no customers. The pastor texted and said, would you mind coming to preach for us? I said, I would be honored to come and preach for you. I love everybody here. <laughs> and I'm so excited that we got saints from New Life in Brookville here with us tonight. I'm a blessed pastor. I pastor great people. Amen. I pastor hungry people. Amen. I pastor people that are zealous. Amen. And, and when you pastor people like that, they make it easy. Amen. I haven't had to set up a complaint department yet in my church. Man, I'm, I got to stop. I got to get in the Holy Ghost. I'm giddy up here. I got to get all serious and stuff. It's so good to be here tonight. I'm just thankful and I love everybody here. I love this church. This is a great, great church. We spent five years in this church. I give honor tonight to my beloved pastor, Kevin Arthur. I don't have the words to tell you how much I love that man. And I love my bishop. I love the Arthur family. Amen. I love my, my spiritual mentor. Greg Ham, Melody Ham, give honor to you. It's your fault. It's all your fault I'm up here. Brother Ham baptized me, prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> so it's his fault. If I don't preach good tonight, it's his fault. Just blame it on him. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thrilled to death. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to start. And if you just flip back to Mark and go to Mark 
16. Matthew 28. If you don't have your Bibles, and you should, because it's hard to fight a battle without a sword. Well, I got about four amens. I won't be as hard on you as Brother Jesse. <laughs> I told him the other night, I try not to, I don't want to cause my brother to stumble, but there's a lot of preachers out there I like to listen to. Jesse Arthur is one of my favorites. I never walk away after listening to him preach and didn't get something deep out of it, amen. I can't tell you that this is a deep message tonight, but I can tell you it's a message for you tonight. Look at the person next to you, tell them it's for me. Tell them the Lord wants to speak to me tonight. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. There was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. They fainted. The angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. We could have a praise break right there. <laughs> He's not here, he's risen like he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, lo, I have told you. Mark chapter 16. Oops, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Stay there and, and let me hear some pages turn and flip back here to Matthew 28. Got ahead of myself there. Go down to verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 1. And when the Sabbath day was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And the very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. They said amongst themselves, Who shall roll away this stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. 
And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. And if you would skip down to verse 14 of the same chapter. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight. I got a message for the church. And uh, in my church has already heard this, so I'm going to ask them to pretend like it's brand new and just Amen me like they would at our church. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carl. I told you they was obedient. <laughs> But this is a message tonight for the church, and I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't. We've shouted, and we've had good church, amen? We've had good church. And I don't know how this message is going to turn out, but I can tell you, as we've said already here tonight, this message is for me. This message is for you. I want to preach to you tonight on this topic, the sin of a do-nothing church. The sin of a do-nothing church. You may be seated. While you're being seated, let me ask you this question tonight. How many of you consider yourself tonight a disciple of Jesus Christ? I got five disciples in the house tonight. Please excuse the new life emblem on that title screen. I use the same one in our church. I'm not advertising, I promise. <laughs> Pastor, if you listen to this later, forgive me. So I've seen a, a few show of hands here when I said, how many of you consider yourself disciples of Jesus Christ? That's a very important question that I've asked you here tonight. Amen. We open this message tonight with the writings out of the books of Matthew and Mark and uh, if you study this out, you'll find that the, the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what is known within Christianity as the synoptic gospels. The synoptic, or the word synoptic, it means a general summary of a series of events. And so, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of them being eyewitnesses to the things that Jesus said and did, uh, it's a general summary when you read through those books of their time and experiences with Jesus. You're getting an eyewitness account of the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. And so it's no wonder that between the passages that we've read, that we've opened this message with here tonight, we find a lot of similarities. For example, we find in both chapters that they start 
following the Sabbath day. We find both accounts involving Mary Magdalene and Mary uh, going to Jesus' tomb to anoint his body with sweet spices. We also find two accounts where they encounter an angel who tells them that, hey, I know that you've come looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He's risen just like he told you he would. Amen. And he's gone before you into Galilee just like he said he would, and right there he's waiting for you. Amen. How many believe tonight that if you'll establish a prayer life and if you'll get a prayer closet that every morning when you go to pray, Jesus will have already gone before you and He'll be waiting for you right there. I don't know how it works for you, but when I get up in the morning and I go, my prayer closet just happens to be a cold wood floor in my kitchen. But I can tell you this. Jesus is so used to meeting me there in the mornings that He gets there before I do. He's more excited about me praying than He is. Amen. There's times I can walk into the kitchen and immediately I know that I'm in the presence of the Lord before I've ever opened my mouth. But what I want to draw your attention to here tonight are the parting words that Jesus left with His disciples before His ascension. You see, God created us, Brother Ham, and He wired us, and He knows exactly how we react to things. He knows how our brain works. How many of you understand tonight that oftentimes we can engage someone in an entire conversation, but it's the things that we really want to leave with somebody that we put at the end of our conversations with someone. That's the reason in my family we have a rule. We don't ever part ways without saying I love you. Because if you don't remember anything else I said to you before we departed, you're going to remember that I told you I loved you. And fellas, I'm going to throw you under the bus here for a minute. Because this is how we're wired. Ain't nobody needs to say amen. And don't nobody throw nothing at me. But to prove my point tonight, fellas, you know as well as I do that when your wife is in the, in the car and she's talking and your mind is a million and a half miles away from what she's talking about. She'll be talking to you and she knows you're not listening. And then she's going to say this, Bruce, are you listening to me? And you're going to go, uh-huh. And then she, <laughs> well, he just told on himself. And then she's going to say, what did I just say then? And here's how God has us wired. You memorize the last six words she said, but you don't have a clue what any of it was about. And so God knows that we're going to remember the last things that we hear. And so what I want to draw your attention to tonight was the parting words that Jesus left with his disciples before his ascension. In Matthew 28, 19, the primary commandment that was given was go. Everybody say go. go. He said go and teach. And then after you have taught, baptize. And then teach some more until you make disciples. And we find something very similar in the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Again, the primary commandment is go. Everybody say go. He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But if they don't believe you, they're not going to be baptized and they're not going to be saved. 
So the emphasis that Jesus was leaving with his disciples was the emphasis to go. You see, sometimes we get it all wrong what God's priorities are for us. Sometimes we get it all twisted and backwards because you see the parting words of Jesus did not put an emphasis on them becoming better Christians. The emphasis was not on church attendance. The emphasis was not just on waiting around and just doing your own thing with Jesus until He comes. But the emphasis on His parting words was disciples making other disciples. And then He said in verse 17 in the book of Mark, chapter 16, He said, and these signs shall follow. Everybody say follow. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. He said, you're going to cast out devils. You're going to speak with new tongues. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Please understand me tonight that in order for there to be a follow, there must first be a go. Nothing will follow you, brothers and sisters, unless you are first willing to move. As a matter of fact, you can't follow something that's not moving. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In other words, Jesus said, if you go, I'll take care of the miraculous. He said, if you'll just go, I'll take care of the miracles. He said, if you'll just go, I'll take care of filling your church. But I need a man to go. <laughs> And that's why if you've been born again of both the water and the Spirit, amen, Jesus said the first is going to be last and the last is going to be first. If you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I don't care if you've been in this 50 years or if you've been in this two weeks. If you come across somebody that needs prayer, you need to pray for them. You need to lay hands on them. I don't care if it's in Walmart. I don't care if it's in the Cracker Barrel. I don't care if it's down here in Meyer. If somebody needs prayer, I'm telling you, you've got the power to pray, to lay hands on the sick. He said, if you go. But that's the key. You got to go. <laughs> now with all that being said, I want to... I want to tell you three things tonight that Jesus did not say before he descended, or ascended. He, well, he did descend. Before he ascended, so I got that right. Okay, my theology's good. <laughs> but there's three things that he did not say in his parting words in those chapters. Number one, Jesus did not say, go mark you out a spot on a pew and lay your Bible there and every other thing and personal belonging you have and you just leave it there every week so that nobody else takes your seat. He didn't say that. Jesus did not say, why don't you go get into a comfortable religious routine and then don't break it because that would make you uncomfortable. He didn't say that either. Now, let me ask you a very serious question tonight. How many of you have ever prayed this prayer? Lord, bring more people to our church. I've prayed that prayer. 
That's the third thing he did not tell them to do. Now, I'm not telling you to not pray that prayer. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. I've prayed that prayer, and there's nothing wrong with it. But what I am telling you tonight, that if that five-minute or ten-minute prayer of God bring more people into this church is the only form of personal evangelism that you have, it's the only form of personal outreach that you have, is to pray a prayer, God, bring someone into our church, then I've come to tell you tonight, you've disobeyed the word of the Lord. I told you I didn't know how this was going to work out. But this is what I felt to bring tonight. Jesus parted ways with his disciples on the commandment of go and do something. You see, sometimes we pray that prayer and we say, oh God, bring more people to our church. And God said, I will, but I'm waiting on you. I'll work, but I'm waiting on you. I'll draw them, but I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to do what? To go, to get outside of this church and to go do something to show them that there's something in here. Brother Charles, you tell me, is there something in here that they need out there? Last time I was here, Brother Charles got the Holy Ghost. He said, I need you to go and do, not sit still and just pray and wait around until I come. As a matter of fact, Brother Ham, I got to thinking about this and maybe I'm wrong. But I can only think of one time in Scripture that Jesus ever told his disciples to go and tarry. I can only think of one Scripture where he ever said, go and wait around. And that was in Jerusalem. Before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's the only time I can remember him saying, go and wait somewhere. I'll be there in a minute. But I've come to preach to you tonight that the accepted sin of the do-nothing disciple today is the refusal to go and the refusal to do. Because we've become so comfortable with simply being religious that we've become okay with it. And if we're not careful, we're going to become so comfortable in our do-nothing state that we're going to begin to determine what it is we're going to give God and we're going to tell Him He's going to like it. Cain did that. Didn't work out so well. You see, refusing to do what the Lord commanded us to do is no different than doing something He told us not to. Their sins of commission... And their sins of omission. We all know about the sins of commission. He told us, he said, don't, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't kill. Don't speak evil against a brother or a sister. And I believe any one of us here today, if we were to commit one of those sins, there should be conviction to come upon our hearts and we ought to repent for that. But what about it? What about it when it's inconvenient for us to pray for someone? What about it when it cuts into our downtime on a Saturday? What about it when he said, go and do, and you said, but Lord, I've got other plans, and I'm just going to stick to what I'm doing today. I'm preaching to you tonight about the sin of a do-nothing church. (laughs) Because a do-nothing church becomes full of do-nothing attendees. 
And I want you to notice there tonight that I said attendees, and I'll touch on that later. It's become accepted today in many churches that 5% of the congregation get a zeal and a love and a desire for souls and for outreach, while the other 95% are content to sit around and wait on the Lord. You know, sometimes we get in that vein and people say, hey, what are you doing? I'm just waiting on the Lord. And the Lord's going, I've been waiting on you for 25 years. <laughs> but I want to tell you today that this Bible that we hold so dearly, the Word of God that we ought to be in love with, is full of the commandments to go and do. I want us to understand tonight that God is willing to fill Oak Park, but He's waiting on somebody to go and to compel that they'll come in and that His house will be made full. What are you saying, Brother Puckett? I almost said Pastor. What are you saying, Brother Puckett? I'm saying He's waiting on you to go. He's waiting on you to do because a do-nothing church never did anything. When I heard that Oak Park was doing street evangelism, I felt like John the Baptist in the womb. I seen those pictures of those handing out cards on the street, praying for people on the street. You say, what is that? I'll tell you what that is. That's a book of Acts, church. You hear me tonight? You may have Book of Acts doctrine, but if you ain't got Book of Acts prayer, if you don't have Book of Acts consecration, if you don't have Book of Acts boldness, if you don't have Book of Acts outreach, then this isn't a Book of Acts church. Matthew 25. The Bible talks about the parable of the talents. I've read this story a million times. And it wasn't until maybe two years ago God gave me a real revelation of what this was all about. See, I always thought it was about talents, Sister Barb. I thought, well, God wants me to multiply my talents. I can play bass, I can play guitar, I guess I need to learn drums. But Jesus tells this parable and he says, to one man was given five, to one man was given two, and to one man was given one. And he said, I'm going to go away and I want you to take those and I want you to do something with them. In other words, he said, I want you to go and I want you to do. He said, and then let me see what you got when I come back. And so the master comes back and he looks at the guy with the five, and he says, what'd you do? He said, why? I got, you gave me five. I went out, I made five more. The answer, well done. Well done what? Thou good and faithful servant. And you know what the, you know what the prize was, Brother Samuel? Come on in. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he looks at the guy with the two talents. Hey, what did you do? I went out. I took what you gave me. I went out. I did something. I gained two more. You know what the answer was? Same thing. Now you say, why, did, why was the answer the same? He only made two. Because he took what he had and he went and he did something with it. You see, some of you are going to gain ten souls. 
Some of you is going to win 20 souls. Some of you may only win one soul. But that's, when I, that's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, what did you bring to me and what did you do with what I gave you? And so the guy with the one, he comes and he says, I gave you one, what did you do? And he said, well, you know, I got this spot and I sit there every Sunday and every Tuesday or Wednesday and, and it's, it's kind of my spot, Lord, and, and I kind of just, I don't know, I, I stuck it under the seat with some gum. Because I knew that you were a hard man, and I just thought I'd be safe and play it safe. Can I go in? The answer was different. Instead of well done, good and faithful servant, he said, you lazy. You lazy and unprofitable servant. And he looked at those around him and he said, bind him. And cast him into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brothers and sisters, you want to tell me God's not serious about winning souls? <laughs> Sounds to me like maybe we ought to be serious about winning souls. We ought to be serious about making disciples. Luke chapter 13 verses 6 through 9. It says he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth, uh, cumbereth it the ground? In other words, why is it even here if it ain't going to do nothing? And he answered, he said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that you can cut it down. Brothers and sisters, hear me tonight. When you come into the house of God and the man of God preaches the heart of God into your heart and into your ears and into your mind and into your soul, that's what the Lord uses to dig around your heart. And begin to fertilize it so that you'll get a, a passion for the lost. And a passion for the hurting. Amen. When we come in here, we need God to do a work in our hearts. So that our passions will line up with His passions. So that our desire... The Bible says He will give you the desires of your heart. You know how many people read that the wrong way, Brother Ham? You know how most people read that? Well, I've got a lot of desires and God ain't given me none of them yet. That's not what that scripture means. It doesn't mean he's going to give you what your heart desires. It means he's going to put his desires in your heart. And he's going to make your desires his desires. So your will will be his will. And then he can use you mightily for his kingdom. So when you pray that prayer, God give me the desires of my heart. And you ought to be praying, God put in my heart what's in your heart. God, let my passion be your passion. God, let my desire be your desire. <laughs> How many like good church? I love good church. We're having good church tonight, amen? I like to warm myself out before I ever came up to preach. 
all that dancing, run around. Thought I was going to be preaching like this. And Jesus said, said, I like good church, Brother Ham. I'm excited about good church. But brothers and sisters, we've fallen into a snare of good church. You say, Brother Puckett, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is that we have good church and we dance and we sing and we run around and we do all the boogaloo and the, and the jiggy bop and all that good stuff and then we close the book and go home and that's that. We come and we have good church and then when we walk out the door, good church stays here. I've come to preach to you tonight that when you have good church here, it's because God wants to bless you to take it out there. God wants to empower you to take it into your schools. God wants to empower you to take it into your workplace. God wants to empower you to take it to your neighbor's house. That's what good church is for. But here's what we do sometimes. We come in, we have good church, we get blessed, and we do this. Church is over. Anybody for Pizza King? You know, I got to think about that tonight, and I felt kind of convicted, Sister Carmela. And I go to Pizza King, I leave church, I have good church, I go to Pizza King. You know the only thing I'm worried about? Royal Feast. No mushrooms. I ain't never prayed anybody through a Pizza King. Why? Why? We prayed for a waitress at Cracker Barrel. God healed her headache. We prayed for people in the middle of Walmart. We prayed for a man one time at Lowe's. This man, he came to help us. I don't remember what he was getting, pain or something. I don't know. And this man, he worked there, but he was holding on to a cart. Sister Megan, this is very similar to what you were talking about. But he was holding on to a cart. He was pushing it. He was doing his best to try to help us. You know what? If I believe that book, I need to act on that book. If you believe that book, you better be acting on that book. So we're standing there, we're talking to the man. Now, Sister Puckett, she says, I get this look. I don't know what that look is. But she said, oh, I saw that look. And I asked this man, I don't remember his name. I said, you care if we pray for you? You know what? The devil will tell you that they don't want what we have in here. But I have yet. I have yet. Of all the people I've prayed for in public, I have yet to tell, have one person tell me no. I have yet to have one person turn me down. We asked this man, we said, do you care if, we care if I lay my hand on your back and pray for you? He said, oh, please do. And so we prayed for him. We prayed for healing. Nothing happened. He didn't jump up. He wasn't like the guy at the gate, beautiful. He didn't take up his cart and walk. But we stood there and we talked with him. And I watched him. And as he talked with us, he started doing this. And about five more minutes later, I said, hey, I noticed you're standing straight up. He went, I am standing straight up. I ain't been able to stand straight up. Why? Because God said if you go 
And if you'll do, he said, I'll take care of the rest. We just got to be willing to be bold. We got to be willing to act on faith. And here's the kicker. If you'll do that, people will go and tell other people. I just told you about that, that woman at Cracker Barrel. Hey, man, Brother Connor, he was there. Sister Teresa, she was there. We was eating chicken fried chicken. He said, Brother Puckett, how you know? Because I get that every time I go there. And this woman came over and she said, I got a headache. I've taken Advil, Tylenol, you name it. I've thrown everything I can and I can't get rid of it. So she said, if I mess up your order, if I... If I, if I don't get something right, she said, please forgive me. We said, oh, that's, that's okay. She walked away. She came back. Her name is Darla. She works at Olive Garden now. If you see her, tell her we said hello. She comes over the table. I said, Darla, you care if we pray for you? She said, oh, would you please? I said, yeah. She got down at our table like this. Brother Peshaw, I never touched her. I simply pointed at her. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the authority of the word of God, I command the pain in your head to leave. Nothing happened. About ten minutes later, she comes back to our table. She says, I don't know what you did, she said, but my headache is completely gone. She said, I've thrown everything I can throw at it. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what we threw at it. We threw a little bit of faith at it. We threw a little bit of anointing at it. We threw a little bit of the name that's above every name at it. Oh, I'll tell you what Tylenol can't do. What Advil can't do. Come on, what Aleve can't do. Jesus can do. He said, all things, all things, all things are possible to them that believe. But here's the best part. I rejoice that God did that. But the best part was we watched her go around to her other tables. She said, hey, those people over there. Yeah, you know, the weird looking ones. Those people over there. Yeah, they prayed for me. You know that Hank I told you I had? I don't have it anymore. She went around. We watched her go to three different tables. I'm telling you, the world wants what you got. But how are they supposed to know what you have if it doesn't leave this sanctuary? There's a lot of churches in Richmond, Indiana right now preaching out of this book. But I'm telling you what this book says. This book says don't you just be hearers of this word, but you be doers of this word. Hey man, don't you just listen to the preaching, shut the book and go have you a pizza. Hey man, but you ought to go into Pizza King and you ought to be looking. <laughs> oh devil, I wonder what you got going in here tonight. <laughs> I just had good church. That doesn't mean I shut the door. That means I'm anointed. I'm anointed to go to Pizza King. I'm anointed to go up here to McAllister's. I'm anointed to go wherever God's going to take me. I ain't afraid of no devil. I ain't afraid of no sickness. I ain't afraid of no bondage. I ain't afraid of no addiction. Why? I had good church. I'm anointed. I'm prepared.
Because that's what good church does. Good church isn't just to bless you here. Good church is to bless and edify you here so that you can bless and operate out there. I have been pressing since I took the church in, uh, in Brookville. I told you we got those people right there are amazing people. But since I took that, since we took the church, <clears throat> I've been pushing disciple making, disciple making, disciple making. And I'm gonna tell you, zeal is contagious. We made these cards, and they're very simple cards. They're they're really cool looking. On one side it says, "This card will change your life forever," and I, I put that on there because I want you to flip it over and read the other side. Someone hands me that card, I'll be like, all right, I'm game. But we made these cards. Brother Carl, what do we tell everybody? Hand them out to everybody everywhere. I didn't know it. We had this grill and chill like a week ago. And we just called it a grill and chill. We invited people to come, just an outreach. We, we, we threw some meat on the grill and... It was a good time. We had 10 first-time guests. Now, I'm not all about numbers, but here's the point I'm trying to make. I didn't know it. I didn't even say to do it. I found out that two people came because Brother Carl, Sister Ruby, their daughter Marlene, Sister Marlene, they decided they was going to run with what Pastor was talking about. They took them cards, they started driving up and down the streets, knocking on doors, here, here, take this card, we want you to come to church, we want you to come to church, we want you to come to church. Now I heard tonight, today, the praise report, our wonderful elder sister Joyce Cornelius, her electricity was out in her home and, and she was going to need a new box outside, that box was going to run $850, Sister Sharon. And when you're on fixed income, 850 bucks, you don't come by that that easy, amen? But the electricians came, they worked for three hours. They said, we can't, we can replace the box. And they said, we're not, we don't usually do this, but they, they cleaned the box out. They put some new breakers in it. They said, we don't know if this will work. We kind of doubt it. They put it all back together. It worked great. That's not, that's not the best part. That's not the best part. The best part well, she said, we need the bill so we can pay you. He said, don't worry about it. No charge. But here's the best part. Not only was God faithful to do the miraculous, but we found out that one of the men that came was a man that used to attend the church in Brookville. And Sister Sharon gave him a church card. Because God will open those doors. I'm telling you, if you're willing to go and you're willing to do, if you're willing to walk through doors when God opens them, He'll confirm His word with signs following. I'm, all, I'm, 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 I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know we're running out of daylight. and I've already talked about Pizza King. Shot my message right there. 
God's been doing great things at New Life. We're, we thank the Lord. We've, we've had four receive the Holy Ghost. We baptized two. It's a big deal when people get the Holy Ghost. It is. It's a big deal because it's vital for salvation. But we've become good in Pentecost at consistently hitting the bullseye on the wrong target. I want us to understand that Jesus did not give you the Holy Ghost so you could talk in tongues. Jesus gave you the Holy Ghost so that you would have the power to go and the power to do. I want us to understand tonight that his parting words wasn't, you're going to talk in tongues. His final words wasn't, you're going to have great goosebumps when the preacher preaches. His parting words wasn't, going, wasn't that you're going to have a, a great building and then you could just establish this routine and, and get comfortable and just wait around until I come back. That's not what he said. His final words were go into Jerusalem because the day is coming that I'm not only going to be with you, but I'm going to be in you. And when I come into you, I'm going to give you the power to do what I've asked you to do. Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean for a disciple to have the mind of Christ? It means you ought to be attracted to the same things that Jesus is attracted to. Amen. That means when you come across a sickness, I never met a devil. <laughs> when I read through this book, Jesus never met a devil that he didn't cast out. He never came across a sickness that he didn't heal. I can't read one time in scripture where Jesus ever came across somebody that had an infirmity and said, we'll put you on the prayer chain at church. God bless you. Take a track. I'm not against handing out tracts, but if you've got the power, you might as well use it for His glory. If you believe what this book says, I'm telling you, you can walk in boldness. I'm telling you, you can walk in apostolic authority. You can walk in apostolic power. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Oh, but Brother Pocky, you don't understand. It's Walmart. People are watching. I don't care. Go and do. My neighbor the other day, I'm working. Uh, I'm working on him. I'm working on my neighbor. Every time I, my carburetor's been out on my mower, I've been borrowing his mower. I don't know carburetor from a front tire. I did tear it off the mower. Fortunately, my, my neighbor's a mechanic. But every time I go over there and I talk to him, he wants to talk about the Bible and ask me questions. <laughs> and I was talking to him about some of the things we've seen God do just operating out in public. He said it this way. Man, if you don't get anything else I've preached to you tonight, get this. 
He said, Bill, he said, man, where do you get the courage to do that? Where do you get the courage to just, like, pray for people in public, like, with people watching? I said, Brian, it's not really about courage. It's really not. I said, because about five years ago, I came to this revelation. If you don't get anything else I've preached to you, please get this tonight. I said, about five years ago, I came to this revelation. It was simply this. I'm born again of the water and spirit. I'm living a holy and consecrated life to the Lord. I've got nothing to lose. They do. What, my reputation? Shot that a long time ago. (laughs) I don't have anything to lose, Sister Nancy. But they do. But if I could pray for them, and if Jesus will heal them, they'll experience something they've never experienced. And they'll have faith to be saved. But it ain't going to happen until we go and do. And there was one more parable in the book of Luke. The the Bible says that there was a great supper that was prepared. And the master told his servants, go out to those that are bidden and tell them to come in. Everybody had excuses. And then he told his servants again, go and compel that they'll come in. You see, here's where we are in Pentecost today. When we pray that prayer, oh God, fill our church, God's saying, I'm waiting on you to do it, and we're saying, do it yourself. Jesus said, you go and compel them to come in. (laughs) So I ask you today, when the master comes back and he starts tallying talents, what are you bringing If Jesus came back right now and he started counting talents, he said, Larry, I started you with three. How many are you bringing me? It's a very serious question, one to ponder. What am I bringing with me? I pose that question to you tonight. Or will he come a fourth time and find fruit? Or will he find a fig tree that needs to be cut down because it simply refuses to do anything? Some of you under the sound of my voice tonight are going to be stirred by this message. But hear me tonight. We've fallen into the trap of good church 
and closing the book on what God does now. When what we have to understand is the minute we leave here, that's when God starts writing. The minute we leave here. See, well, here's what we have to understand. What God does on Sunday night, he's waiting for you to apply on Monday and Tuesday. And then what God does on Wednesday night, he wants you to go out and work that Thursday through Saturday until you come back on Sunday. But here's where we get it all backwards. We come in here and I've done it. We come in here and we hear a good message and we go, oh, that touched my heart, that was for me. And we come to the altar and we snot all over the place and we cry and we weep and we beg God to forgive us. And then we leave here thinking it was all for us. If all we ever do is apply the preaching to us, we'll never apply it out there. But if we can get an understanding tonight that what the man of God preaches to you is not just for your edification, but it's for your edification so that you'll take it out there and that you'll win some souls. That you'll take it out there and that you'll bear your testimony to somebody. We've got to understand that what God does here, He means for us to take out there. We've got to stop all of this inward stuff. Oh, that was just for me. Yeah, it was for you probably. But it wasn't just for you. we got to stop all this selfish Christianity. Because what God does in the house of the Lord, He does so to edify the body of Christ so that the body of Christ is empowered to go out into the highways and the hedgerows, amen, and go after those that nobody else wants and compel them to come in and tell them, I've got something better for you than drugs. I've got something better for you than alcohol. I've got something better for you than pornography. Come get it. But it ain't going to happen until we go and do, and I'm closing if the music would come. Some of you are going to be stirred by this message. I know folks in our church were stirred. I'm stirred. I'm still stirred up. Man, I'm not talking about being all crazy and overzealous and just running through Walmart laying hands on everybody. Temperance is a fruit of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. But what I'm talking about is I'm talking about walking close enough with God that when you know He's opened that door. When somebody's talking to you about something they got going on, we don't got to be all crazy about it. We don't got to be in the, will of, uh, in the middle of Walmart. In the name of Jesus! You ain't got to do that. <laughs> Well, you could simply look at somebody and say, hey, you care if I pray for you? I promise you, 99.9% .9 of the time, they're not going to tell you no. But when you pray for them, you believe. <laughs> because in Mark chapter 16, he said, go and preach the gospel. And then it says, and they went. And because they went, it said the Lord working with them. And because the Lord was working with them, it said confirming the word with signs following.
We need to go and we need to do. We need to go and we need to reach as many as we can. Don't you worry about what other people are looking at. Don't you worry about how you may look. Don't you worry. Don't, don't let the devil tell you. Most people ain't, people don't pay attention to anything these days and if it ain't politics. Good grief. We ain't got to worry about all that. Just go and just do. We're not a do-nothing church. We've not been called to be a do-nothing church. Oak Park Pentecostals is not a do-nothing church. But there may be some of you here tonight who've been thinking about how inconvenient it may be to sacrifice a Saturday or sacrifice some time. But I'll tell you, your sacrifice isn't nothing compared to those that are going to go to hell. Because somebody didn't go. What can you do tonight? I'm sure if you went and said, hey, I want to be a part of the street evangelism. They're not going to tell you no. I'm sure when Brother and Sister Peschel go down to the school and they do outreach and they set up the sound system down there and they dance around. You know, the world says you all look like fools. But if I'm going to be a fool, I'm going to be a fool for Jesus. And so what's God looking for today? God's looking for a do-something church. Because I'm telling you, because the Word says it, if you'll go and you'll do, He'll work with you. And He'll confirm His Word with signs following. If you go... And you'll reach, and you say, well, well Brother Puckett, I, you know, I don't really get around so well, or witness to your neighbors, do a Bible study. We can all do something. Let's stand. Now, I'm going to open this altar in just a minute, but we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. I was thinking about this earlier today, and I, I felt to do this. Now, we got some fantastic Christians here at Oak Park. Y'all respond to the preaching every service. This altar's full. But if you come to this altar tonight, I want you to do something a little bit different. If you need to come down and repent because you've been a do-nothing attendee and you want to be a disciple, okay, repent and get it done quickly. You don't got to repent for 25 minutes to get God to forgive you. You can ask for forgiveness. He'll do it. But if you come to this altar tonight, I want you to pray. If you're going to pray for yourself, pray this prayer or something like it. God, give me the faith and the power to go. Give me the boldness, Jesus, to reach my neighbors. Give me the boldness, Lord God, to reach my co-workers. I want you to pray a prayer tonight 
That God will help you take this outside the walls of this church because that's what this message is for tonight. It's not just for you to come down here and pray and cry and all, all those things that we do sometimes, but it's to stir you because if you'll go, God will open the doors and you'll compel them. If every one of you brought one person to church, we'd just about fill up this auditorium. But it's going to require you going and doing. So this altar is open tonight. Would you come and pray and say, God, oh God, use me. Give me the boldness, Lord. Give me the boldness to act outside of the walls of this church. Give me the boldness to pray. God, give me the boldness to operate in the Holy Ghost. Oh God, give me faith. Give me faith to go and to do. This altar's open right now. If you want to come and pray, come on, Jesus is looking for somebody that'll go. Jesus is looking for somebody that'll do it. Jesus is looking for someone to use, and he can use you. You don't have to be qualified. He'll qualify you. Come on, you don't have to have some genealogy. He'll use you. He just needs somebody that'll answer like Isaiah answered and said, Here I am, Lord. <laughs> Send me. I'll go. I'll do it. I'll pray. I'll be bold. Oh, young people, I want you to pray. God, make me a witness in my school. Let people see something about me that's different than anybody else in this, in this school. God, use me as a witness in my school. Would you pray that God would use you as a witness in your workplace? Come on, disciples. Make disciples. Come on, the miracle is just looking for a vessel. It's just looking for somebody to go out and pray. <laughs> Come on, somebody's healing is in your hands. Somebody's deliverance is in your hands. There's somebody else at Lowe's that needs you. There's somebody else at Cracker Barrel that's stumbling through life and going through some circumstances and they need you. But you got to be willing to be a vessel. You got to be willing to be used. You got to be willing to go and to do. And I'm telling you tonight, if you'll do it, God will work with you. God will confirm His word through signs following. Would you pray tonight and seek after the Lord?